Hey family, we talked last Sunday about being dead to sin and alive to Christ. Such a beautiful Sunday. We came right off of the heels of the send in Kansas City. We booked it back Saturday night to be there Sunday morning and God just really had a fire burning in our hearts from what we experienced and a commissioning and a sending out of the body of Christ to fulfill the Great Commission. But what goes with fulfilling the Great Commission? It means we live like Jesus. Jesus said, as I am, so are you in this world. And so it's just a beautiful privilege that we get to live truly free from sin and not have to live bound any longer. So as you listen, I hope you're encouraged and inspired. But more than that, I hope I pray and I hope that you're challenged just in your ability to take the word at face value and truly believe and just say yes to everything that's written within the scriptures. Love you all so much and enjoy the podcast. Wake up a little bit. Good morning, everyone. Yeah. All right. I'm just going to get this out of the way from the get-go. I did not go and get a spray tan, okay? This is a sunburn. (laughs) Now, I'm going to explain a little bit of what exactly took place because, man, our lives got rocked this last uh, yesterday. Like, not even, like, what, six hours ago, probably? Um, So, yeah, we're like... Running on Jesus fumes, which are actually not fumes. It's like the tank's always full, so that's amazing. Um, But hey, who's excited to get into the word this morning? We're going to jump in. We're just going to go after Jesus. That's if I keep it together. But man, I just want to say one last time, can we just give it up for everyone who is running for public office this election cycle? Come on. That's amazing. That's incredible. Thank you all so much just for your yes, for your yes to not... Stay where you're at talking about the problem, but to actually carry the solution with you to where you go. There's way too many people that can talk about the problem, and uh, I know that we carry the solution, and his name is Jesus. Um, So I'm just going to pray, and we'll just see what God has in store for us this morning. Holy Spirit, we just thank you. We love you so much. We thank you for your, your beautiful word, your beautiful word that you've given us, and so we just can't wait to see Lord, just what you bring out through this this morning, make us more like Jesus, Holy Spirit. Make us more like Jesus. We want to look like him. We want to we talk like him. We want to sound like him. We want to walk like him. We want to see people the way Jesus sees people. And so, Father, I just thank you for your presence, that it would overwhelm us at every step, that it would, oh, Yeah, Lord, that it would just constantly put us in remembrance of what it cost God to get us back. Lord, that we would always live with the remembrance of the cross and what the cross represents. It's not just, it's not just a wall decoration at Hobby Lobby, but it is the down payment for what it cost heaven to open up an a relationship with each and every person in their own way. We no longer have to go and run to a priest. We no longer have to go and run to a profiteer from God. Every single one of us in this room can hear from him now. And so, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would just lace my words with grace, that what is spoken would be the truth, that it would be Jesus, that it would be straight from the word and not my opinion. Father, I pray for every person's hearts this morning that the ground is fertile and ready for what 
you want to do, Lord. So we just thank you. We give you praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. And if everybody believes it, say amen. Amen. Pull the mic away. Don't want to swallow it. <laughs> do the other thing. Okay. Uh, well, man, we're going to talk this morning about... Um, we're going to talk about living like Jesus. I know we talk about this a lot, but we're going to keep talking about it because even once we start living like Jesus, we're going to need to continue to live like Jesus. And so just get past how I look, just focus on what I'm saying, and we're going to make it through all right, all right? Well, hey, I just want to let you guys know real quick, first of all, be encouraged of what's happening in the body of Christ, all right? How many of you guys are hopeful for what you see God doing in the church today? Good, you should be. If you're walking around and you're just all doom and gloom looking at the church and what's wrong with her, man, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a tough couple of weeks for you. It's probably already been a tough life so far if all you're doing is critiquing moves of God and actually looking at what the church isn't doing instead of what the church isn't doing, or instead of what the church is doing. I'm not saying that we get our eyes off of certain things and we're trying to hide the, hide the reality of what's going on and just be like, oh, Jesus is good. But no, it's actually putting the reality of what's an issue in the forefront and seeing Jesus right there. And if it matters to Jesus, it should matter to us every second of every day. So I'm just going to take a quick swig. So yesterday, whenever it comes to the church being so hopeful, you guys have heard us for the last couple of months. We've been talking about the send the Send is a catalytic stadium gathering that has traveled all over the world, and its main purpose is to activate believers into their missional and evangelistic callings to fulfill the Great Commission in our day. That sounds amazing. And so they did a gathering out in 2019 in Orlando, Florida, and they rented out Camping World Stadium, and they were calling for 60,000 believers to literally converge on this stadium, and for 12 hours... They fasted and prayed and interceded for our nation, for a new Jesus movement, and for heaven to literally come and touch earth. And so they met in 2019. God did incredible things, and I live streamed the whole thing, and I was marked just through live streaming it. I mean, it's the most radical Christianity I've ever seen in my life. And I've grown up in the church. I've seen, I've seen Christianity, but I don't want Christianity. I want Jesus. And so... That happened in 2019. Well, the next year, early 2020, before the pandemic hit, God had laid on their hearts to also do the send in Brazil. And so they rented out a stadium in Brazil. And initially, they rented out a stadium and they thought the stadium was going to be too big. They thought, well, there's not going to be enough people that are going to register. And so they, they, they rented out a stadium that could seat roughly around 90,000 people. And within like two hours, the stadium was completely booked. And their staff came running up to their leadership and they said, this stadium is entirely booked and it's only been open for like two hours. We need another stadium. So long story short, in Brazil, they did the send and they ended up having to rent three stadiums and all three of them were packed out with Brazilians crying out for an awakening in their nation. And on top of that, while they did the send in Brazil, during the 12 hours of day-long prayer and worship, the president of Brazil gave his life to Christ. So you can't tell me that Christians gathering and praying for their nation, for the sake of a few, Lord, do it so that many could reap the benefit. We see this happen many, many times, even in scripture. And so yesterday they did, they initially had scheduled it in Kansas City in 2020, but that didn't happen and we all know why that didn't happen. But now it actually happened yesterday and I'm telling you guys like, we were a wreck <laughs> just sitting there 
in the presence and also sitting. We spent time with the sun. Yeah. <laughs> Get what I'm saying? We spent time with the sun and it was amazing. I'm telling you, 88 degrees, no cloud whatsoever. And I mean, it's like, I don't know if it's you guys, but it's like from like morning to around one, the sun like is booking it. It's like going and then doop, it stops at like the hardest part of the day. And it just sits there and takes forever. And you're just roasting. Ugh, went through like seven of these and everything, but oh my goodness. So anyways, all that to say, have hope for what the Lord is doing in the church today. There is a generation that is rising up that is more hungry and more desiring of the things of God than ever before. But how many of you guys know, yeah, give them praise for that. That's awesome. Thank you, Lord. But how many of you all know that if you're going to live like Jesus, there is one thing that absolutely should not be tolerated in our lives whatsoever, and that thing is sin. All right? So this is kind of where we're going to find ourselves here, is that grace has triumphed over sin. All right? Grace is not a personality. Grace is not something that's like, oh, this is grace, and it's apart from Jesus. No, Jesus is grace personified. Yeah. If you're ever wondering, well, what is grace? It's Jesus. Mm -hmm. What is truth? Jesus. Pilate asked Jesus that question. Jesus told Pilate, he said, all those who listen to the truth listen to me. And Pilate looked at, back out at Jesus, and he said, what is truth? And Jesus didn't answer. Why didn't Jesus answer? Because little did Pilate know that he was looking in the eyes of truth itself. And so it's important for us to realize we want to live like Jesus, we want to walk like Jesus, but we got to cut stuff off. And I'm like, I have such a fire on the inside of me from these last couple of months of just cutting things off, looking at things that are noisy, looking at things that maybe in our eyes aren't necessarily bad, but they don't point you to Jesus. And so it's taking our minds to this radical place. And I want to ask for you guys to go there with me this morning. This radical Christianity of praying the prayer, but then actually walking out the prayer you pray. And I'm going to give you a couple examples of those prayers I've been praying and what the Lord has had me actively doing so that I can begin to see these things come to fruition in my own life. Because I don't just want to pray prayers for the sake of they sound cool. I don't just want to pray a prayer because, oh, I want people to hear how holy I am. Jesus said, you have earned your reward if that is why you're praying. And so it's so important that we need to weigh these things by the Spirit. When we sing songs, do you actually understand the words that you're saying? All right? I know you guys that are running for public office, you guys know you're stepping in because there's a lot of people that are saying one thing and doing the total opposite of what they actually said they were going to do. We need people that are so solidified in who they are, that are willing to actually not have a reputation, that are willing to actually not have anything to lose because you've already gained everything. And so there's nothing that can be done against you that could ever affect you in any way, shape, or form because little be known to them, Jesus said they came against you. They came against me, they're coming for you. But it's Christ in me, the hope of glory that they're coming after. I can't do anything. They're not coming after Zach. I don't know nothing, really, in comparison to the king of glory. And so when people come against me, I'm just like, look, whenever you go and try and witness to somebody and somebody ever gets like upset with you or, you know, they're, they're just like, well, I don't believe in that. It's like, all right, well, you're not coming against me. You can shoot the messenger, but that doesn't change the message, you know? Like, this is just, I'm just bearing witness to what I've seen happen in my own life. 
but it all starts with looking like Jesus and we have to cut things off. So one of the prayers that I was praying was, Lord, I want to know you the best a man can know you. Think about that. I want to know you the best a man can know you. Because, you know, we go to like church camp or we go to, you know, worship nights or we go to the send and we get lit on fire. And in the heat of the moment, we're like, Jesus, I give you everything. I want nothing, just you. Nothing else matters. I don't care about anything. I just see your face. You're all I want. I want to know you the best a man can know you. And then you step back and you're just kind of like, wow, that came out of my mouth, didn't it? But you know, the Lord's actually going to hold you accountable for the prayers that you pray. He's going to say, you know, you asked for this. I remember of Michael Koulianos, he was reading his, or he was writing a book and he was about to write a chapter on suffering. And the Lord stopped him before he wrote that chapter. And the Lord said, I want you to know that if you write this chapter, I'm going to hold you to it. I'll stop you real quick. And so he said, all right, Lord, I'm going to write this chapter and I'm going to completely trust and walk in what you're telling me to do. He wrote that chapter, and those next two years, he said, were some of the hardest years of his life. But he came out of it truly knowing what he had written. Because once again, we cannot preach things that we're not walking out. We cannot say things that don't have any application to our own lives. You're just leading people to a treasure you can't possess. You're just saying, hey, here he is. Have fun. Have at it. And sometimes we kind of hide behind the fact of sounding like we're knowledgeable, but in essence, whenever we're actually put in the fire, then we're just like, I thought I knew what I was talking about, but I have no plan, or I have no idea. Kind of reminds me of the movie Hitch. You guys know Hitch with Will Smith? He's like giving everybody relationship advice, but then whenever it comes to him being in a relationship, he's like, uh, right? So we have to know what we're talking about. We have to know this Jesus that we're pointing people towards. Because if you don't, then something will happen. People will attribute it to being Jesus, and you'll just agree with them because you think it's him. We can't attribute just anything to being Jesus. When Jesus is all to us, then we know that what we're walking in and we're so in tune with him, we know that what he's doing in and through us is Jesus. Okay? And so, but I would pray this prayer, and I would say, I want to know you the best a man can know you. And it wasn't until Dan Muller came. I know you guys have heard us talk about Dan Miller. <laughs> we went to the sand and we literally had like two or three different times, or it was two different times that we had people like in our hotel and everything. They're like, where are you guys from? We're like, we're from Northwest Arkansas. And they're like, Dan Muller was just there. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, he was. I was there are, I'm like, that's our home church. And they're like, oh, no way. Like literally had a dude last night, like stopped us at the gas, or he was at the gas station. And he saw how burnt we were. He saw how burnt our faces were. And he knew where we were coming from. He was like, you guys you guys are at the Seine? <laughs> and we're like, yeah. And I'm like, where do you live? He's like, I live in Farmington. What about you guys? And then he looked at me and he was like, I know you. And he was like, Dan Moeller, Dan Moeller. He preached at your church. You're the pastor's son. I was like, yeah, it's amazing. But uh, anyway, it's like Dan Moeller, he was talking about, it wasn't until he come that I realized, I want to know you the best a man can know you. Dad mentioned this in our huddle to our team this morning before service started. And it's whenever dad had asked, I mean, when Dan Muller's in town, you're just like, tell me anything. Like, tell me, tell me everything. I just want to ask you questions because he's just so full of the Lord. He never once, I never once heard Dan share his own opinion. 
Everything he said had weight. Everything he said had depth. And I was like, wow, this kind of reminds me of Jesus. <laughs> you hang on every word that comes out of his mouth. That's what the early church was with Paul. They were like, oh man, we're going through trials. Let's go talk to Paul. He'll know what to do. And they would read his letters and they would hang on every word that was said in these letters. And that was kind of like Dan walks in that in modern day church. And dad had asked him like, so like whenever it comes to like movies, music, like what are you drawn to? And Dan, and Dan was like, well, I don't, I don't watch movies. I don't watch any TV shows. I don't, don't really listen to music outside of like the church services that I go to and the worship sets. And uh, I just read my Bible and I'll listen to it. And it made total sense. I'm sitting there and literally whenever he's telling me that, I was just hearing the Holy Spirit on the inside be like, this is a man who's truly pursuing to know me better than anyone else. Because when you want to press in and you want to know Jesus better than anyone else, you got to do what no one else is doing to get there. And even if you don't know where to go, look where people are when they're farther along than you and be like, hey, how'd you get there? Help me get there. And then when you're in like no man's land and you have no idea what to do next, you're just kind of like, well, Lord, I'm sticking with this thing because I know that I have got to know you as best that I can know you. I'm not wasting any time. So that was the first prayer that I prayed was that the second prayer I prayed was, Lord, I don't want to spend time doing anything that doesn't give you glory. (laughs) Whoa, that shortens the list quite a bit. I'm telling you, I literally went through, I'll just give you guys like a couple of examples. I went through, I canceled my Disney Plus subscription. It also kind of helped with the recent like leanings that have gone on, you know. That just kind of helped push you over the edge. But first and foremost, you're like, Jesus, I want to know you more. So I'm cutting that off. And then secondly, it was like, all right, well, I used to, I used to have an Xbox. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to give that away. I'm going to get that out of there, you know. And then like having other things. And I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to cut off on this subscription. I'm going to cut down my time on this. I'm not going to watch these videos on YouTube. I'm going to watch sermons and worship sets and reset my YouTube algorithm. So when I get on, I'm just seeing Jesus on there, you know. And so just starting to make these changes, because when you realize like anything that I do, I want it to give you glory. So what does that mean? Jacob and I, we had had a conversation about this one time whenever it came to true rest, right? Because many a times we'll look at something and it may not be bad in our eyes. Like, well, it's not porn. You know, there's, there's not a lot of cussing, you know, and it, it's funny. I enjoy it, you know, like, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I'm, let me just clarify something. What I'm saying here is I'm not telling you guys what to do. I'm just telling you what I've done because we eat. At, who, who in here has Holy Spirit? Who in here has Holy Spirit? You guys hear him. You guys walk in his leading. Okay, that's what happens as I'm speaking. I'm putting a reliance on Holy Spirit that he would specifically speak to your hearts. So just know that if you walk out of here and you feel condemned in any way, shape or form, Father, I pray that that is not from me. I'm just once again, clarifying what I've prayed and what the Lord has convicted me in through the Holy Spirit and what I'm actively wanting to walk out so that I can know him more, right? Okay, so I just want to bring a little bit of clarity to that. Don't be like, well, Zach told me to throw away my you know, throw, you know, whatever is valuable to you or whatever. But, um, cause it's all to know him more. Oh, that we should know him more. And so just cutting off these things, looking at these things. And now like, because what was happening was like before Dan Muller had come as a staff, we fasted that week just in preparation. And so like in preparation, when I'm fasting, I'm like cutting stuff off, right? Because that's what we do. We're trying to, we're, we're not trying to, we are. We're putting our flesh under. And we're amplifying the voice of our spirit. 
Because when you limit the voice of the world, the voice of the spirit intensifies. And so that's what was happening, was we were cutting things off and moving things away so that we could hear clearly and prepare ourselves for what Dan Muller was going to bring. And um, also for me, because he was staying in my room, so I was also just kind of like, I don't want him to walk in and be like, the Lord is not here. I want him to walk in and be like, the Lord is in this place. He has been here, <laughs> you know? And so like, I'm trying to like really kind of like be impressive and everything. But anyway, so Dan Muller comes, he rocks our world. Who, who always here for Dan Muller? I know we talk about him a lot, but it's just because what he said was amazing, was it not? Yeah. So he came, rocked our worlds, and then he left. And this is the part that Christians don't like, is the leaving part. When the move of God, move of God has seemingly ended. When you go to the send and you sit out in 88 degrees and you're screaming, crying out for Jesus, holding up your shoes, saying, I will go, Lord, send me. And then they say, all right, that's it. Love y'all. Good night. Nobody really likes that part. And so Dan Muller left. And now I have a choice. Now I'm held responsible for what I know. And boy, I know a lot more now because like he said a lot. But I found myself starting to slip a little bit. And I say slip, and I don't mean that in like, you know, sort of fall back into my old life, I'm backsliding. I meant that in the sense of like things that I had a really tight grip on, like the way I'm spending my time, what I'm spending my time doing, you know, and these different things, what I'm like, my, my, my standards in these areas. I want to be like a successful person. Maybe you want to read 45 minutes a day of a book. But then it's like you miss one day and the next thing, two days, three days, four days, five days. Next thing you know, you haven't read a book in a month. You know, but I'd found myself starting to kind of loosen up from when Dan Muller had left. And when that happened, I was spending time with the Lord one morning and the Lord, like Holy Spirit, really like dropped a bomb on me and just convicted me. And he spoke to me and he said, I didn't know you were living unto Dan. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, shoot, I like, that's, that's a big deal. And that convicted me in my heart. And so that's whenever I went and started cutting things off. I was like, I'm not living unto a man of God coming. Yes, we honor and we respect men of God that come. Scripture says, for he who receives a prophet receives a prophet's reward. And so I believe in honoring. That's so, so important. But I am not to value Dan Moeller and revere him over Jesus. Never. And so that's what I was finding myself slipping into. And then the Lord was like, uh-uh, you're not doing that. You've come too far. You know too much to sit there and just kind of go back like everything's normal, especially whenever it came to rest, because sometimes we'll look at things and we will try to rationalize their existence due to our humanity. Like for me, I'm just going to be honest with you guys, whenever I was having my Xbox, playing video games, whatever. Some people like to sit down and watch a TV show. I can't do that. Mine was games because it's interactive. I like to have something going on. So I'd sit down and I'm like, well, it's just my way of like unplugging from the world, you know, and just, I want to be immersed in something else. I'll put headphones on and I'm just like, not even there. You know, I just want to play a game. I just want to get out of it. What is true rest? What is true rest? Don't you think that the one who created the stars, don't you think the one who created and separated the land from the sea, don't you think the one that fashioned man out of dirt would know 
what true rest is, what was best made for man? Why is it that we also have people that struggle more with mental, dis- mental disorders and, and insomnia in our generation more than ever before? They're looking for rest in all the wrong places. Jesus is true rest. Jacob and I were talking about that and Jacob had just like, ran, he, we were having a conversation and he just like said it in passing and it was like, shocked me in, to my core and I was just like, you're so right. He said, what is rest outside of Jesus? The secret place is rest. You wanna unplug and get away from the world? Get in the secret place. See the world through the lens of Jesus. But you can't do that if you're holding on to things that are going to drag you a little bit. And it may be to where it's like, well, it's not a big deal. Wouldn't you much rather have to run a sprint without having a little chain dangling on your ankle? Because that thing would annoy the tar out of you. But if that was gone, it's like, wow. It's a... I never realized how much it was actually affecting my mental capacity to run this race. Because instead of just focusing on the race, I have this little dingling on my, on my ankle. It's like whenever you, I don't know, get like a, a cut somewhere and all of your body's focus and attention is, ah! And that 0.01% of your body that's in pain is the, all of your attention and focus of your body is focused on that 0.01%. When the whole rest of your body is fine. But man, it feels so much better to be 100% running after Jesus with everything that we have. But we can't look at things and be like, okay, well, I can tolerate this. Jesus was never about tolerating. Jesus was about loving. But loving was not tolerating. Jesus wasn't like actually endorsing people's lifestyles or people's behaviors. People wanted to be with Jesus. Like when he called Matthew, the tax collector, to come and follow him, it says that Levi, in Luke, he's referred to as Levi, so he comes and he follows Jesus. And then it says that he, Matthew, brought Jesus into his house. And that's where Jesus had dinner with tax collectors and sinners and all of these different people. And the Pharisees are like, who is this man who eats with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus went into his house and they came to Jesus. The goodness of God draws men unto repentance. You know what I'm saying? And so it's living a life free from sin and people seeing that whenever that begins, how do I say that? Whenever people see a life free from sin, they see that it's actually possible to live that way. How can we as the body of Christ ever expect to live free from sin if we're constantly trying to make up a reason as why sin still exists in us and think that's okay? It's not okay. It's never okay. Jesus made us, Jesus walked on the earth to show us you can live like this. You can live like Jesus. Once again, we said this a couple months ago, and we'll say it a thousand more times if we need to. The disciples are not mentioned in the Gospels for us to relate to them. The disciples are mentioned in the Gospels so we could see what happens to a life that is completely immersed in the life, walking with Jesus at all points. They started here, and they ended here. Post-Pentecost, raising people, like lame men walking, being persecuted at the highest degree and not losing faith. Peter denied Jesus three times. Now he's told to never preach Jesus's name again. And he goes out, does it again. He didn't deny him after the cross. 
because they walked. They went from walking with Jesus to walking in Jesus. Colossians 2 tells us, so walk in him. Don't just walk with him. Judas walked with him. And Satan entered into Judas. Peter and the other disciples walked in Jesus. And they inherited the kingdom of heaven. And so this is what happens when we see a life that is free from sin. It's possible. I just want to get everything else out of the way. Stop thinking next time I sin or when I sin. It's not when you sin, it's if you sin. The cross changed your eternal, it changed your eternal destination. And if it changed your eternal destination, then it gave you the ability to lose sin's power over your life. If we're not walking fully free from sin, then have we truly given ourselves to the reality of the cross? Jesus doesn't halfway heal people. Jesus doesn't halfway redeem people and set people free. Whenever I struggled with cussing like a sailor, Jesus literally stepped in and was like, "Uh uh-uh. And when he pulled it out, he didn't forget two or three words. He pulled it all out. There was nothing left. I couldn't run back to anything. And so it's not, sorry, I'm just, I'm a Christian that cusses. That's no such thing. No such thing. And if you do, once again, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm like, take joy in knowing that it's possible. You don't have to stay there. It's amazing. But I want us to look at Romans 6, because Romans 6 talks about this life, living dead to sin and alive unto Jesus. It's not, I'm dead to sin, so I'm alive to Jesus. It's, I'm alive to Jesus, therefore I'm dead to sin. You can't be dead to sin and not alive to Jesus. You can't. Man tried to do that. That's called the old, old covenant, the old way of doing things. I will be able to do and be the best priest. I'll do all the rules as best as I can do them. Every I will be dotted. Every T will be crossed. That doesn't matter. The Lord is like, you mess up in one area, kaput, you're done. In one area. And so what we see here in Romans 6, and we're going to read 7 through 14, and we're just, it's going to be beautiful. And if you cry, just let him hit you. Um, So I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. Once again, Romans 6, verse 7 through 14. Obviously, this is Paul speaking, okay? Paul's speaking to the Roman church. He says, obviously, a dead person is incapable of sinning. That's a good start. And if we were co-crucified with the anointed one, we know that we will also share in the fullness of his life. And we know that since the anointed one has been raised from the dead to die no more, his resurrection life has vanquished death and its power over him is finished. For by his sacrifice, he died to sin's power once and for all. But he now lives continuously for the Father's pleasure. So let it be the same way with you. Since you are now joined with him, you must continually view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal while living daily for God's pleasure in union with Jesus, the anointed one. I want to read that again. So let it be the same way with you since you are now joined with him. Joined with who? 
join with Jesus. You must continually view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal while living daily for God's pleasure in union with Jesus, the anointed one. For sin is a dethroned monarch. Man, this should get you guys excited. Come on. So you must no longer give it an opportunity to rule over your life, controlling how you live and compelling you to obey its desires and cravings. So then, refuse to answer its call to surrender your body as a tool for wickedness. Instead, passionately answer God's call to keep yielding your body to him as one who has now experienced resurrection life. You live now for his pleasure, ready to be used for his noble purpose. Remember this, sin will not conquer you, for God already has. I'm gonna say that again. And you guys like, oh, like hear this when I say this, all right? Whew, where is it? I lost it. There it is. Okay. <laughs> sin will not conquer you, for God already has. Yeah. You are not governed by law, but governed by the reign of the grace of God. You know how many times in there Paul literally talks to us about not letting sin have any, any, any place in our lives? It's all about living unto Jesus. We heard this a couple weeks ago, and it's what is true repentance? True repentance means change. Switching of the direction. Changing one's mind. But it doesn't just mean I'm turning away from something. Repentance means I'm turning from and I'm turning unto. Yeah. So true repentance isn't, oh, I messed up over here, I repent, and then you turn and just into another sin. You turn into another problem. No, it's I repent, and so therefore I turn unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. Yes. And so what we see here. So let it be the same way with you, since you are now joined with him. You must continually view yourselves as dead. You are not a sinner. You are a son. You are a daughter. And if there's one of the biggest things that the church, and they think it's, they think it's humble, you know? And so, but what did Jesus, what did, what, what did Jesus say whenever he came back from the dead? And he told Mary in the garden, he didn't say, go tell my disciples. He didn't say, go tell Peter, the one who denied me. He said, go tell my brothers that I have come. Jesus, if you believe in Jesus and you have surrendered your life to Jesus, the old stain of sin has completely been washed away from your life. You are not an orphan. You are a son and you are a daughter. You are not a sinner. You are a son. A father does not divulge the intimacies of his heart with those who think themselves to be unworthy. He divulges his heart with his sons that he knows will take the words that are planted in their hearts and boldly walk in them and proclaim them to the nations. That's what Jesus did. The relationship we see with Jesus and the Father is the relationship we should have with Jesus. Jesus says, I'm in the Father and the Father in me, so I am in you and you are in me. Yeah. It's the same relationship, the same connection. You see, you don't see Jesus walking around being like, woe is me, I'm just a humble servant. You know? Like Jesus walked and he said, repent for 
my father's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. When people look at you, do they see Jesus? When we were at our hotel getting ready to go to the send, we were literally, we wanted to go to the hot tub. We had just worked out at the gym and we were wanting to go to the hot tub, but there was like some guys already sitting over there. And so we're like, oh, okay, we'll just chill in the pool. So we chilled in the pool for a little bit. And then we were like, really wanted to get in the hot tub. And so we like worked our way, like kind of like inching our way over, just kind of like, hey, don't mind us. Like, we're just gonna come over here and sit in the hot tub. So we like worked our way over to the hot tub and we sit there and there's two guys, two other guys in the hot tub and they're both like in conversation. So we're like, well, we won't pay them any mind. We'll just get in and just like, hey, what's up guys? And, um, and then all of a sudden the guys that were having a conversation, one of the guys said to the other, he was like, oh bro, I believe full heartedly. Like if you do this, man, God has got you, man. And I'm telling you like, this is, this is the kingdom. And we're sitting there and we're like, <laughs> you know, it's like, eh, they get it, you know? And, uh, and right when that happens, a third guy walks over to the hot tub and he comes over and he looks at us and he's like, hey, like, like, how you guys doing? I'm like, oh, we're doing good. And he's like, I, I just want to like, I see Holy Spirit just all over you guys. That's the best compliment you could ever get. I don't care who you are. I don't care how good your mama is. Like, it, it's way better to be like, man, like, you know Jesus, don't you? It's like, yeah, I do actually. You know, like, that's how we should walk with Jesus. With Jesus. Wow, you love him, don't you? Yeah, how can you tell? Like, he's amazing. He's the best thing that ever happened. You love him too. I can see it, you know? And we walk in that thing. But when, like, if you had somebody that would walk around and just be, like, down on themselves, you know? Not walking in the confidence, the Godfidence that he has laid on us as members of the family. You wouldn't want to walk up to them and be like, hey, man, you must love Jesus. I'd probably walk up and be like, hey, are you okay? <laughs> Do you need Jesus? <laughs> you know? Like, we're walking in this thing, but we have to walk with confidence. And what enables us to walk in confidence? Free from sin. Dead to sin and alive unto Jesus. There's no place for anything other than Jesus in our lives. We weren't created for anything else. And it's a radical lifestyle. It really is. But let me tell you, there are, many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. What is the few are chosen? There were, there were few that actually put in the effort and the time to want to actually know Jesus better than anything else. And that's why they were chosen. You don't get chosen out of your own efforts out of your own willingness to be like, well, I can do this thing. I can reach the nations. Francis Chan said something so beautiful yesterday at the send. He said, this is not about here I am, send me. It's about here we are, send us. This is the church. I feel like the days of God raising up one man to preach the gospel, I feel like those days have kind of just been fizzling out a little bit. I feel like God is raising up multitudes and multitudes of multi-generational, multicultural people that are convinced in the love of Jesus and that will proclaim him no matter what. It's not one person. It is one person, but not in the way that we've seen it from the past. It's not an evangelist. It's the great evangelist, Jesus Christ. Everything wraps around him. We all come around him, but we have to be found in this, Romans 6, 7, and 8. Five, six, seven, and eight. If you haven't read it, go and read it because it's all about your identity. Paul, the one who was persecuted at all points. This is the same Paul that said, take joy when you're met with trials of various kinds. 
This isn't a gospel that caters to us. This is a gospel that enables us to be able to please our Father. He said, without faith, it is impossible to please me. But Jesus also tells us, he says, if you love me, you obey me. He said, if you love me, you obey me. But then he said, or he, wait, no, wait, how did he say? He said, loving me empowers you to obey me. But then he said, obeying me empowers you to love me. That's like, the, that's like two of the opposite things. Loving me empowers you to obey me. So loving Jesus empowers me to obey him. But then he says, obeying him empowers you to love me. It's the same thing, but in reverse. What is he saying? Jesus is saying, you cannot do anything apart from me. You can't please me without me. We can't do it without Jesus. If you try to please Jesus outside of Jesus, you never will. Because let me tell you, when, when he comes back and he pierces that eastern sky and he rips it open like a piece of paper and he comes down on a white horse and he takes us back with him, we're going to go to a heaven that Revelation talks about, the light of heaven. Think about this. The light of heaven is the lamb, Revelation says. The lamp is the lamb. So when you get to heaven, guess what? You're not seeing because there's a sun, S-U-N. You're seeing because there's the sun. He is the way by which we see. He is the way by which we move and have our being. It's all in Jesus. None of it is apart from that. Hmm. Obviously, a dead person is incapable of sinning. What is a dead person? dead person is someone who says not my will but yours be done I want Zach Johnson to die and I want Jesus to live his life in and through me I don't want a single thing that I say to ever be my own opinion I want everything that I say to be of to be of Jesus and I pray this so many times that I'm like, Lord, help my heart motives to be in a place to where I don't want to be like this because I want to be the most spiritually tuned person in the room. Far be it from me that that be my motivation. If that is your motivation for knowing Jesus more is so that you can be the person that people come and ask questions about, you're, you're, you're off. I'm just saying that in love. For this is eternal life in John 17. This is eternal life. Eternal life is not being well-educated. Eternal life is not knowing the scriptures. Eternal life is found in John 17, and Jesus says this, John 17, 3, eternal life means to know and experience you as the only true God and to know and experience Jesus Christ as the son whom you have sent. Eternal life starts here. It starts now. It doesn't start when you get to heaven. If anything, it intensifies when you get to heaven. But it starts here. It starts now. And when we don't live with an eternal perspective that eternal life starts here and now, that's why we keep living in sin. Because we don't think it's possible to live free from it. We think, well, we'll be free from it when we get to heaven. An amazing man of God, Todd White, said this. If I treat my life that way, then that means, if I think once I get to heaven, I'll finally be free of those things, then that means death has become my savior. And Jesus is not, which nothing could be further from the truth. 
You know that when Jesus died on the cross, he literally took every single infirmity, every single sickness. Like, do you really believe that? He took every single ounce of mental dysfunction. It's called the crown of thorns. When the crown of thorns that was too small for his head with thorns that were big, I'm not talking about some like small little nubs that look like little Hershey kisses on the ends. I'm talking about long drawn out spikes that were we woven together on a crown that was too small for his head, crushed on his head. That was all anxiety. That was all insomnia. That was all depression and mental battles. Not being able to stop thinking, constantly being bombarded with thoughts. Jesus took that on the cross through the crown of thorns. When are we gonna believe this? I wanna believe this. I'm like, Lord, help me to believe it. I don't just wanna say it. I want my actions to actually speak louder than my words do. That whenever I go home and I get in the secret place, I'm fully convinced in who you are. Because it took a Paul to be fully convinced to say, take joy when you have trials. The church looks at trials and they, and they, and they, and they run from them. The first question they have is, God, why is this happening to me? Haven't you ever taken joy when a trial comes? It's like, oh, wow, I actually got to pay a lot more than I thought I was supposed to pay. Maybe you didn't get a tax return this year. You actually owed taxes this year. And you were just like, oh, yes! Whoever felt that way? But Paul says, take joy. Because the testing of your faith produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And that hope doesn't disappoint. Don't believe the lie of saying, don't get your hopes up. We serve a king who never fails. He's not just a song we sing. He's not just a painting that we look at. He's not just a background on your phone to make you feel good. He's a person that is seated at the right hand of the Father. Stephen records this in Acts as he's being stoned for what he said, preaching the good news of Jesus. He took joy in that because while stones are being hurled at his head, he gets on his hands and knees and he looks up and he says, behold, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of the Father. And then right before he goes to sleep, Scripture says, he said, Father, forgive them. The same words that Jesus said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Do we have the capacity to love like that? Yes, we do. Do we have the capacity to live like Jesus and live free from everything that the world tries to call normal? Yes. Does sin have a place in our life? No. Does that mean I can go from this day forward walking in the fullness of Christ and never touching sin again? Yes. Some of you guys, I, I, I can kind of tell it that, that that's a little bit of a stretch for you to say that you can go this day forward without sinning. But I want to challenge you. Say it. Confess it over yourself. You say, Jesus, as you are, so am I. So I just thank you, Lord. It's not pulling away from the deity of Jesus at all. What it is, is it's becoming everything that he paid for. The blood was spilt. You don't step into the glory, but through a gory cross. You don't walk up the, 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 the small narrow road that leads to heaven is not a glory road. 
it's a road that's soaked in blood. Because every step we take, we have to take the blood at value. And if I were to look at myself and be like, yeah, well, I mean, I did it again. It's just my old man coming back. You know, when Paul shared and he was talking about living a life free from sin, and he said that I'm torn. My flesh wants one thing and my spirit wants another thing. You know, Paul, he wasn't, he wasn't writing that in scripture of saying, this is me right now. Paul had already been freed from that. He was writing it as if someone that was bound, saying I'm pulled in this direction and pulled in this direction. But Paul's saying, no, my flesh doesn't even have a say. And Jesus defeated the flesh. You wanna know where Jesus defeated the flesh? He defeated the flesh in the garden of Gethsemane when he prayed the prayer. He said, Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. That was his flesh. His flesh was saying, let this cup pass from me. But then his spirit kicked in and said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. If you want his will to be done, I got news for you. You better be ready to live a life free from sin. Like, stinks for you, it's coming regardless of if you want it or not. Because that's what happens when you spend time with Jesus. You want what he wants, and he wants a sin-free life. We talk about, like, the topic of, um, how do you say it? The, the topic of, like, climate change. People are like, we need to take care of the planet. We need to take care of the planet. Haven't you noticed that, like, the conversation with people talking about taking care of the planet has kind of coincided a little bit with the Pharisees' topic of the Sabbath? The Pharisees talked about the Sabbath in the terms of, like, we were made for the Sabbath, which is wrong. God said the Sabbath was made for man, that man would rest. The Sabbath was made to serve man. Man was not made to serve the Sabbath. But then Jesus came and, oh, he's amazing. But with the world, the world was made to serve man. Man was not made to serve the world. So it's, impo it's, it's, it's important for us that if we fully give ourselves to Jesus, we fully yield ourselves to him, sin cannot and will not and shall not have a hold on us any longer. Would you go ahead and stand up with me this morning? I know I ran a little bit long, so I get excited and then I forget what time it is and then we just like, it's time for lunch. But yeah, this is just... I told you guys, I don't want to preach something that I'm not actively walking up myself. I want this to be applicable and I want this to be something that I'm actively pursuing as well. Like I said, far be it for me to be someone that just talks about it, but I'm not walking it out. I want to know Jesus. And I know that this room is full of people that want to know Jesus as well. That's why you're here this morning. Because here at Vision, we're not a church that just goes to church. We're a church that actively wants to know the heart of the Father so that we can see a drastic shift in the spiritual climate of this region. And it's up to us to actually dare to live different. It's up to us to actually see what's written in the Bible and just take it at its word. Like instead of reading, like stop reading the Bible trying to look for like, well, that's what they said, but what did he mean? Like, like take this one for example. I'm not gonna go much longer. Take this one for example. Jesus sleeping on the bow of the boat, right? He sleeps on the bow of the boat. The disciples get into a crazy storm. They're gonna die. They think they're gonna die. Experienced fishermen, it's probably a bad storm. Jesus, sometimes we look at that and we can over-spiritualize it. We look at it and we're like, Jesus was sleeping on the bow of the boat. What does that mean? 
He's sleeping. The Son of God is sleeping. Wow. There's got to be some kind of like underlying psychological meaning to this whole conversation. And I'm not saying there isn't. But could it be that the Son of God had put on a body and was tired? He had been traveling all over the place. Jesus was God in human form. He knew what it was like to be hungry. Satan tempted him with bread. He knew what it was like to be tired. He went to sleep. Could it be? So when we read the scriptures, let's just take this thing at face value. Let's dare to believe what's written and just take it and run with it and be like, oh, he says I can live free from sin instead of having like religious doctrine people to be like, well, you know, like he says that, but you'll never be free because you're not Jesus. No, but he lives in me. I'm dead. I'm Zach, but I'm not me. I'm him. He's living his life in me. And so therefore he can't sin, so neither can I. So bow your heads, close your eyes. We're just going to take authority over this thing real quick. And as this, if you are here this morning and you have given yourself to something that does not glorify God or does lift, or it's something that does not lift his name high, or if you're here and you have sin in your life and you never thought you could actually live free from it, you thought it was a part of your human makeup, I'm here to tell you, Jesus did not put you here on this planet to live as a human. He put you here to live as a spirit being inside of a human body so you can see heaven everywhere you go. So if you're here this morning and you have sin in your life with nobody looking around, this is really, this is between you and the Lord, but you know you have sin in your life, but it's only there because you didn't think you could be free from it. You just thought it was a part of your makeup. Can you just raise your hand? If you're here and you've been struggling with something and you just didn't think you could be free from it, thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your honesty. Secondly, if you're here this morning and you didn't think that you could truly live like Jesus, you thought yourself less than, Jesus paid a price for him. He paid a price to get himself into you. So that when you walk into the post office, people see Jesus. When you go to the grocery store, people see Jesus. When you go and sit in a hot tub in a hotel in Kansas City, people see Jesus. If you're here this morning and you didn't think it was possible to live like Jesus, but you want to live like Jesus, can you raise your hand? Come on. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your honesty. All right. Well, I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I just want you guys to agree with me. We're not going to, I'm not going to have you repeat anything that I say. I'm just going to pray over you. And as I pray, I just believe that Holy Spirit is just going to completely fill you with the Spirit of the Lord, fill you with the Holy Spirit, and that you will be fully capable and fully, <laughs> fully equipped to live the gospel which is the person of Jesus Christ everywhere that you go. So Father, right now, I just thank you for every person here. I just speak your anointing. I just speak your presence to overwhelm them right now. We thank you, Lord, that the stain and the voice and the effects of sin would be gone and forever lost from our memories. I thank you, Lord, that it is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I thank you, Lord, that you set every single person here free by your blood that was spilled out on the cross of Calvary. I thank you, Lord, 
that our salvation is not in a special event. Our salvation is not in a good message. Our salvation is not in the altar or a good worship song. Our salvation is not in our families. Our salvation is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus, I just ask right now that you would reveal yourself to every single person here in their own unique way. That you would show yourself strong to them. That your love would be made evident in their hearts. And that when they walk out of this place, the moment they're tempted to do something that maybe they used to do before, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you being the good teacher would convict them in their hearts and would turn their affection toward the Lord. Lord, keep us at the feet of Jesus. We want to look like you. We want to sound like you. We want to walk like you. We want to talk like you. We want to hear people the way you hear people. We want to see people the way you see people. We want to be led as Jesus was led. And even if that means we will be led into the wilderness, Father, I pray that we would take joy when you lead us into those places. Instead of asking why God, we say, yes, God, here we are, send us. And so I thank you, Lord, that this will not be a church of seat warmers, but this will be a church full of activated believers that are fully convinced in the price that Jesus paid. So we thank you, Lord, for it in Jesus' name. Can you just give him some praise this morning? Just give him praise. Just give him thanks. Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, we love you. Come on, just give